Right, so we're here with Matt Simpson. Hello, Matt. Oh, good morning to you. <laughs> How are you doing on a beautiful, what is an autumn day in, uh, yeah. in the depths of Somerset? So, um, right, first and foremost, Matt, let's get a little potted history of you and Simpson Seeds. Okay. Um, business kind of started by accident. You know, it hasn't really been sort of planned. I did go to Horticultural <laughs> College. Um, it started with my father's hobby that just grew and grew. And I, my approach to, well, my introduction to chilies was backpacking. And I was in the former Yugoslavia, and the only language we could communicate in was French. Okay. And they had an English French dictionary, and they had their dictionary in French as well. And on the table, this place, was a bowl of cherry tomatoes, and we were snacking on them and trying to communicate in French. And they'd popped a round chili in there. And of course, I just reached in without looking, picked up, bit into the hot chili. My first ever taste of chili pepper. <laughs> and the locals thought this was absolutely hilarious. And they gave me what I thought was a glass of water. And of course, it's the local spirit they make. And I wolfed that down. And the locals at that point were crying with laughter. But, you know, they didn't see many English people there. Um, a lot of the kids wanted to practice a few bits of English. And yeah. they kept giving me spicy food. And I stayed there for a few days. And so I kind of got into the chili world from there. But then it was dormant for so long. Um, one of my student jobs, so when I got back to the UK, was working in a restaurant where there was a jar of chili powder, hot something. <laughs> and of course it was stale. You've been there for so long. Yeah. There's one local that liked it yeah. hot. And I remember trying to think, this is awful. And that's not touching chili for ages until I wound up backpacking around America, of all things. Yeah. And I sort of got into the Mexican adobo sauces, oh, yeah. the mulatos, yeah. the proper, yeah. not the matcha American, but no, the proper Mexican the flavor, deep yeah. rich, yeah. 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 And, um, and then when I got back to the UK, having decided against a potential career I'd been thinking about in photography, okay. I put everything into getting Simpson Seeds going, and that was 96. Okay. And so here we are, 20 something, 20 oh, good years for you. later. Um, Excellent. I got a question straight away. So, sure. can you remember what the chili was that they gave you in, in Yugoslavia? Well, or former Yugoslavia? Sort of. Um, I did come across one, I did have it for a while, which was, the, you know, it came from a French catalogue, so it was Boule de Turk, Turkish Boule. Turkish Boule, okay. Um, now, chilies aren't really recognised as of international boundaries. Yeah. Um, and basically, it was a round capsicumanium, that's all I can really say. Okay. And there are other round capsicumanians, and there's... Um, like a cherry bomb or something? Cherry or bombs a... and modern hybrid, more yeah. uniform shapes. Um, there's, a, there's an African one, Gambian round, that mm -hmm. Turkish one I just mentioned. There's a, quite a few variants, yeah. and to be honest, quite a few chilies have different names, yeah. but they're the same chili. Yeah. And yeah, that's just inevitable. Translation issues, I probably made that mistake. Yeah. And I get given seeds, oh, we've been growing this for ages, you know, yeah. why don't you take some? Yeah. And it's actually another chili, but they've forgotten the name. Yeah. Or Yeah. Actually, I've got two names for you. Tell, tell, tell us about something. So I'm going to give you two names, Lucy and Katie. Okay. Tell us about those. Do you want to tell people what they are to start with? Because Lucy obviously and... we, know, we know right now what they are. <laughs> Lucy and Katie are the names of two extremely hot chilies developed in Somerset. I think it's in Western. Mm -hmm. by a gentleman known as Nargan Nick. He came up to me at West Dean. This is when West Dean used to have a, 
the leading chili festival in the yeah, UK. Gone now. Um, with pods of each, and he asked me if I could grow them and see how hot we could get them to be. He had developed them out of another chili. I think that was the Viper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he'd done his own business and stabilised them, and they were named after his two daughters. And it yeah. coincided at that point with my starting to work with the University of Bath. Mm -hmm. Theory of mine was that how you treat the pepper is going to play a significant role in the amount of heat capsaicin it produces. Okay. First year we were close to the record and we didn't do so much. Second year growing we really went for it with different approaches, um, different types of stressing the plants. Mm -hmm. Now part of the secret in heat I think is the actual environment. Hot conditions, hot summer, actually hot Indian summer mm -hmm. for chinensis varieties, mm -hmm. so it's good hot September, early October. Mm -hmm. Also Production of capsaicin, I believe, is a defensive mechanism. Uh -huh. Species evolved with birds spreading the seeds. Mammals, no. Mammals might eat a chili, but they won't go through a mammal's gut intact. They'll go through a bird's gut yeah. intact. Yeah. So, the production of capsaicin is a defense against mammal comes along, takes a bite. Oh, I'm burning, burning, burning. Don't like that. Don't eat that one again. So, we were stressing. And we then were literally vandalizing the plants, smacking them around. Breaking bits <laughs> off as if my hand was the mouth of a hungry deer. Okay. And I was doing that as the fruit were forming and maturing. Yeah. And the hottest individual pod came in at 1,590,000. Which one was that? That was a Katie. A Katie. And I jokingly said to a local paper reporter, I stressed the plants, and how do you do that? And I shout at them. <laughs> just <laughs> for being facetious. I remember the article. Yeah. And yeah, that became that. the story. Yeah, I remember the article. And we yeah. them, have I got news for you and BBC <laughs> Breakfast and things like that. I also like to tell everyone, I didn't develop these strains. I don't think it's, it's an honour system, I guess. Not Nick Durant should be credited for the work he did. I just grew yeah. them, basically. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Dr Tim Woodman did the science. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's collaborative, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not something that we find a great deal of. We, no. we were saying earlier, um, off, off, off air from this, that uh, this industry isn't the most collaborative compared to, say, beer, for example, where breweries work with each other all the time. So, you know, hearing this is actually really quite encouraging because it's nice to see, and it ought to be that way, really. We, we get on better when we get on. <laughs> yes, I think um, interaction is good. Yes, we are, to a certain extent, secretive about some things. When you're working on a variety, then yes, we'll keep quiet for a while. I mean, I have good friends down in Dorset who run Sea Spring Seeds. Mm, yeah, John and Michael. Yeah. And we compare seasons and data as well. They've mm -hmm. got a lot of scientific data that they've done over the years on the variability of heat over time in the season on chinensis varieties. Okay. I mean, in there, um, there's some interesting data on Bacartum and Aniums, how they vary also on uh, nutrient yeah. base as well. So I think it's worth saying at this point, you are pointing to the book I have in my hand, which obviously from a, an audio perspective is, is no good. Um, so Matt has um, recently published a book called The Chili Book, uh, which is lessons learned from 25 years of playing with fire. That's a great tagline, by the way. Uh, where can people buy this? Uh, it's online at the moment. Uh, what's your website? It's simpsonseeds.co.uk, two letters in the middle, that's the important bit. Okay, yeah, Simpsonseeds, oh yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Um, but I'm hoping to have it on Amazon, so Amazon Publishing or as an ebook, Kindle book. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we're not here to plug your book per se, but you've given <laughs> it to me and I can't not mention it because I've had a little flick through and the what I've immediately caught, what has immediately caught my eyes, like you say, the, I, it's, I, I mean, in the most positive way, the simplicity of it is lovely because it, it's, 
it opens up Chile to anybody that doesn't know anything, but also provides lots of science and data to those that are geeky, a little yeah. bit like us, that, yeah. that want, want to know the data. So um, it, it's, uh, to be honest, I'm going to sit and read this, mate. It's probably one of those, you know, every now and again, you get a book that you read in a day, and I've got a funny feeling mm -hmm. this might be one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, so congrats on, on releasing that, by the way. Um, just getting back to the Katie and the Lucy, um, are you still growing them? Um, we were growing them for seed this year. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, we had serious storm damage from Storm Eunice. Yeah. Uh, when we lost our big polytunnel here, the plastic, as it burst, whiplashed over the other greenhouse. It happened to whiplash over and break the glass over the seedlings we had. Ah. Oh, no. And we also had 18 hours of power cuts. Oh, gosh. And at the end of that storm, we had quite a man significant amount of hail. So okay. our seedlings got covered in hail. And the power being off, the thermostat or the electric propagators yeah. were off, and they did not survive. And by which point I felt it was too late to start again. Yeah. So one. they're not forgotten, and yes, they will certainly make a comeback. We've got supplies of seed. The germination percentage is not quite good enough for us to be selling. We're quite strict on that. Yeah. But Katie and Lucy will make a comeback. Talking uh, uh, about seeds, what what would you recommend for like a first time grower in terms of a good chili seed to go for? I always would say to people, where are you growing? First of all, yeah. Are you growing in a greenhouse? Is it a windowsill? Are you actually dry growing outside? And next, and equally important question is, what is your end use? Mm. I mean, some people say, I want the hottest out, I really want it out. <laughs> Others don't want that. And so you need to think about what your end use is. And there are some who just want to grow them for their looks. Favourite varieties, well, put flavour first, personally. Yeah, always, yep. And what, what's your end use going to be is number one. So, yeah. I mean, my favourites are things like, I mean, the, the jalapeno is always a favourite. Yeah, it's versatility. But my proper favourite is, I think, the beaver dam. Yeah. It's a big, big fruit fat pepper. Yeah. Big fat one, as you say. Now, because of its size, there's so many uses. Mm. I like to dehydrate peppers. I also like sausages, barbecue. Yeah. So chili sausages, um, either make your own if you have a sausage maker, but anyone in a larger town would hope there'd be a decent butcher whose ears would prick up at the idea. So when your recommendation, you just said beaver diamonds were your favourite, would you still recommend that as a, like a first-time grower's pepper? Yes, I think I would, because... I'll tell you my hesitancy in that, okay. because obviously it's a big pepper, so it needs a little bit more. You can't just let it flower and grow, in my opinion. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, you know best, because that's the kind of pepper you need to pinch off the flowers. It needs to get some bulk and substantiation, because it will collapse under its own weight because of the size of them. It can, effectively, the plant can almost kill itself because it's what trying to grow massive peppers, isn't it? Um, so it needs a bit more work than maybe like a Numex or even a jalapeno to some degree, yeah, in my opinion. But Jalapenos can collapse under their own weight as yes, well, yeah. Here. Um, what we tend to recommend growers do is they get, um, they're going to be growing in a pot, say a standard 10 litre pot, mm -hmm. is to put half a dozen canes around the edge and then with some gardening twine interweave yeah. around like, so if you look at it from above it look a bit like a spider's web. Yes. Yeah. And it plants in the centre so as the fruit gets heavier they lean out but they rest on the string. Yeah. So they're supported because the worst thing for someone is to come home from work and go and look at their plants. Oh, it's broken. They've yeah. been watching these pods grow all summer and they can't wait. So that's what we tend to recommend. Pinching out, pretty good idea, but 
often beginners don't want to do that because no. they want to see their first yeah. pods. Yeah, and that's why I'm asking because I'm just. just but, but it is yeah. a variety. I mean, large fruited capsicum annuums, I'd recommend pinching out, but the other varieties, I, I wouldn't recommend pinching out. Okay. I mean, we're getting quite picky yeah. at this. Yeah, yeah. You get more what we call internodal growth. Yeah with these larger ones, but of course you need more support because the internodal growth, if you have your main stem growing vertically, your internodal growth would be coming at about 45 degrees from that, mm -hmm. and it's quite easy to break as the weight is going to pull it down, mm -hmm. so that support of twine really helps. Okay, so what about if people want to go for the hotter varieties, what would you recommend there? Uh, chinensis ones? Chinensis, yeah. Okay, most commonly grown one by the chili farmers in the UK is the orange habanero. Mm -hmm. um, Great often called the chefs have yeah. an error and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we did some years ago launch one called the Fruit Burst. Beautiful yep. pepper, very heavy cropping. Exactly, yeah, yep. it's a good one, works well in the UK. We have a couple of dwarf varieties as well, which if you're only growing on a windowsill, you don't have a greenhouse or conservatory. There's the Black Naga, which only grows 10, 12 inches tall. Okay. And the Squat Frog Habanero, which mm -hmm. is maybe a foot to 14 inches, maybe 16 inches. But they are not as hot. As some of the other yeah and then you have the super hots there's the fairly well-known burmese naga the mm -hmm. dorset naga yeah what would you classify as a super hot by the way well there is this argument, super hot to you yeah uh, over half a million scovilles okay all right i've had this discussion with um friends so down at sea red savina upwards really yeah. yes <laughs> yeah. okay um there is no body that regulates this kind of thing yeah well, that's why i asked the question really yeah i'd say over half a million scovilles okay. yeah um and then i would also say that hyper hots <laughs> are those which regularly go over a million. Mm -hmm. I believe that there's as much as 40% variability mm -hmm. on chilli plants, or even on the same plant. And also, chilies, I believe, are like wine. Each year, the crop will be different. Yeah. yeah. Um, the heat does tail off quite drastically with most varieties. Sometimes the piccatums can go up in heat as the sunlight levels drop. What about terroir, if you will? So wine, for example, is affected by its, not only by its climate, but by the soil. Yes. Um, how uh, no. how far would you say that affects the chili? Massively. Okay. Um, and, on, and on that basis, what would be your recommended Nutrient levels. Well, now we're in a strange world now because for years we've had peat-based composts. Mm -hmm. They are going out. Now, mm -hmm. um, I would be tempted to suggest people had a go at hydroponics if they could. Okay. I'm very, we use passive hydroponics here for almost mm -hmm. everything now. Okay. Um, what it boils down to is with hydroponics, you're probably using less in the way of soil. Uh, we did an experiment, in fact, you can see the empty pots here. Yeah. Um, what you have there are brandy boy tomatoes grown in 10 litre, yeah. 5 litre, and 2 litre pots mm -hmm. using this peat free compost, which was very expensive, at £15 a bag. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now I go through two pallets. Composts this season. <laughs> wow. Because we produce plants, it's not just chilies, but yeah. vegetable yeah, plants, yeah. everything. Yeah. We use tomatoes for this experiment because tomatoes will illustrate problems much earlier than chilies will. Yes. And they're being cousins, we can get a fairly accurate idea of what's happening. One of the key things to know about the peat free compost is the pH is very variable. Okay. Um, and what are you looking for normally with a pH level? Six and a half-ish, yeah. around even slightly lower than mid. Six, six well, and a half, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But the key thing is, is that they can be quite high, is to think about plant foods. Now, we've been posting out our plug plants in coir pellets. We've been peat-free that way for quite a few years. Uh -huh. And we noticed that members of the Picatum family, that's lemon drop, and Madre uh -huh. Vieja, 
and the chinensis ones were really suffering in the coir pellets. Interesting. Okay. Anniums were fine. What do you mean by suffering? Yellowing, okay. not looking very healthy. Okay. Um, and it got to the point where we'd be growing, well, we call it jiffing up. We'd be jiffing up five or six times what we needed. Okay. And then we potted them on, and they recovered. Mm-hmm. And so we experimented with lots of different supplementary feeds. Yeah. The only feed that made a significant difference was one called Chili Focus. Yes, we know it. Yeah. So we analysed, look at what's in the back, mm-hmm. and that contains everything all the others contain, mm-hmm. it also contains fulvic acid and humic acids. Okay. And they basically are bringing the pH down. Okay, interesting. I can't remember the exact conversation, but I visited the Southwest Growers Fair down in Exeter mm-hmm. this year, and some of the compost specialists there really were proper chemists and understood soil chemistry. Yeah, yeah. And basically, nice. it's the fulvic and humic acids are bringing the pH down. Oh, Consequently, the plants are then absorbing nutrients. Again, now I'm changing to tomatoes, cousins of the chilies. Mm-hmm. But a lot of tomato growers are suffering what we call blossom rot. Normally, that is caused by the plant losing the ability to absorb calcium, mm-hmm. symptom being overwatering, underwatering. Yeah, I've seen that. pH problems mm-hmm. were causing the same symptoms, but the growers were, yeah. everything's fine water wise. I'm here, I'm not flooding them, I'm not drying them out. Again, it was causing a calcium issue. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess the key thing, good quality plant food. Mm-hmm. I am very taken with this one, Chili Focus. Yeah, it's we like it too, yeah. Reasonably yeah. priced. There are some other good ones. Um, but the peat-free compost is getting much better. Some of the wholesalers are teaming up with various German companies who are 20, 25 years ahead of this country on being peat-free. Mm-hmm. So the situation, I think, will get stabilized in a couple of years. But back to hydroponics, we do passive hydroponics as much as possible. And Can you explain what that is, by the way? Because I appreciate some people may not know. Of course, yes. Passive hydroponics, you have your pot. Mm-hmm. I cut a hole in the bottom mm-hmm. into which I fit a wick of capillary matting. Mm-hmm. And then the whole lot sits in a reservoir mm-hmm. with, I use a compost bag, empty compost bag cut open, which for want of a better term, we'll call a skirt like on a hovercraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just stops sunlight turning the nutrient solution, which is in the reservoir, green. Yeah. We've had no problems with them going stagnant. And That's good. in the case of tomatoes, which have a much higher metabolic rate and go through the nutrients much faster, we're watering every seven to ten days in high summer. That is good. I think as we're saying as well, there's a company, it's British companies, and they're called Greenhouse Sensation that make yeah. kind of ready-made versions of this. They I mean, do. We've got. Uh, we're fortunate to see this. I know people listening won't be able to see this, but it's very. You've made it make, very simple to do it at home yourself, well, frankly. But yeah, but Greenhouse do a couple of ready-made. quid to make. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's a bit of bamboo which supports the plants. Um, that's sustainable, and you can get these outers plant pots, get a good one that doesn't have any weak points. Very mm-hmm. often plant pots will have weak points in the base for you to drill out yeah. as drainage yeah. holes. Yeah. Um, these ones don't. Um, they're a couple of quid each. So the whole lot is less than four pounds to make. Yep. Now, when we decided to switch to doing hydroponics from grow bags, we priced up the cost of this greenhouse and the big polytunnel and it was about 2,000 pounds. Gosh. We just paid a couple of hundred yeah. for a pallet of these. Oh, there's a difference. Huge difference. <laughs> and there's a 17 litre reservoir there. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention, yeah, basically. Absolutely, yeah. yeah uh, I want to be able to go to shows which last an entire weekend. I want to stay up there, yeah. not worry about plants drying out if, it, we get, if it's on during a heat wave. Exactly. And like, this summer has been pretty, pretty darn hot, hasn't it? Well, so, actually, we found our water bill has dropped dramatically. Because okay. grow bags, especially with the peat-free ones, do not have moisture holding. Oh, okay. So if you want a meter, 
Mm. You're putting water in and it's flowing out the base. Mm -hmm. Now our water bill was over a thousand pounds. Now it's down to a couple of hundred. Brilliant. Wow. That's fantastic. So the system paid for itself in the first year. Yeah, we're bucking the trend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's make life as easy as you can for well, yourself. Exactly. Now, hydroponics might be a dirty word for some people because they think of either illicit growing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or not particularly tasty supermarket tomatoes. Uh, obviously, we are growing tomatoes and peppers for immediate consumption. Yeah. Whereas they're growing for... So they go into a packet, they go into a chill lorry, they go yeah. to a storage unit, and they're, and they're, and they're shipped yeah. in from, the flavours aren't there. No. So hydroponics, perfectly good flavour, and also I've got peaches growing hydroponically here. Okay. And to experiment, I've got a Gunnera gigantica at home, growing in a massive hydroponic <laughs> system. Yeah. I wanted to see what I could do. Absolutely. Now, I've got various citrus plants, it's a hobby of mine. Yeah. The blood oranges, which are in their second year now, they'll be in hydroponics in the future. Beautiful. I've grown grapes hydroponically. Yeah. Aubergines, tomatoes, courgettes. Yeah. So yeah, I think for us, this is one of the reasons we wanted to come and chat with you because there are people that grow and then there are people that are fully immersed in what they're doing and, and want to experiment. And, and there's a scientist that sort of dwells within. And I think for us, that's always yeah, fascinating <laughs> in many ways. Um, just going back to when I say about terroir, so um, the soil type also makes a difference when it comes to wine, to the flavour. Mm -hmm. um, so you were talking about pH, but you're, and now we're looking at uh, peat free, but I mean, obviously, clay, clay soil isn't the best, for example, for chilies. But if you know, if the soil type changes, do you have you noticed, have you monitored any difference in change of flavor at all? Do you think chilies are affected in that way, or do you think that I think climatic conditions don't? are going to be there? Yeah, I don't know how well they'll grow in very thick, heavy clay soil even if it's a polytunnel and then people growing directly in the soil because yeah. the process of growing, digging out after a few years would change the nature of the soil. Would, yeah. uh, the yeah. roots from previous seasons would break down. Now people might work in a manure mm -hmm. and so that would start to break down. And some people also green manure, put in things like forage rye and then dig that in to break up clay soils mm -hmm. or phacelia to give it more vegetative matter to help yeah. aerate. And the vast majority of chili growing is actually done in pots or mm -hmm. Containers. Yeah. Now, the theory of that is, you're, by restricting the roots, you're yeah. actually encouraging earlier. We did a lit experiment some years ago on pot size. Mm -hmm. Smaller pots, earlier harvest, but smaller harvest. Yeah. Larger pots, slightly later harvest, but larger harvest, mm -hmm. and consequently larger plants as well. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And general rule of thumb as well, again for first-time growers, the milder the pepper, the sort of quicker the faster the harvest. Uh, in most cases, there are, for example, the Kashmiri chilies. Mm -hmm. They are yeah, longer beautiful. than chinensis. Okay. And I've given up growing them. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can buy good quality Kashmiri chili powder, either at a local international shop yeah. or um, online. Okay. So, I mean, why make life difficult for yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. I prefer, I mean, yes, but generally um, the milder onion varieties are the earliest to mature. Um, then you've got the Bacartums coming in and the Chinensis shortly after them. Yeah, absolutely. What about some of the other, so you, you've named three, what you might call common varieties, mm -hmm. but things like Frutescence? I'm not overly taken with the Frutescence family, to be okay. honest. I've tried a few, yes, yeah, some of them have a nice flavour. Pubescence, I do like, they're mm -hmm. really juicy ricottos. Mm -hmm. Beautiful pepper. Um, and they are such lovely plants to touch as well, a nice, delicate 
It's only yeah. fur, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's where the pubescence gets its name from, yeah. isn't it? It's a hair. Yeah. 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 Uh, not yeah. quite as soft as some of the Vatican families. Some of those yeah. are like touching silk. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the flowers have such a beautiful colour to them. Stunning, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, abs absolutely. Almost so, cornflower blue, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah. And I think the flavour is very interesting. Now, we talk about flavour in chilies. Pubescence family has a really good flavour. Mm, and I think some totally of the cayennes are my favourites as well. I find some of the chinensis varieties almost overpowering. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you yeah. know habanada? Yes. yes. Yeah, so we've that's got the habanada, a very yeah. strong yeah. But pungency, but very little heat. No heat, yeah. Yeah, well, the ones we've tried have had zero heat, absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I know they technically could have some, but we've not had any with any heat yet. But they are pungent, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we first tried those from um, Holland, I think. I think they were yes. growing them in Western Peppers or something like that. But, I've got some growing yeah. for seed yeah. in the other greenhouse. I mean, flavours there. Flavours there. But yeah, you, you, you might say you're talking zero to maybe 100 scales or something i don't mm. know it's, it, it really is it's low to nothing but it's, it's interesting i mean i guess the chilies i use in my kitchen at home are up to about thirty thousand scovels mm -hmm. but yeah. occasionally i will have a sauce which is much hotter it's what do you think move. of the fatali chili it's one of my favorites because that often yeah, is the one that when you get, go to a chili festival the highlight is going to be the chili eating contest yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and fatali seems to finish off a lot of people yes it's a bit of a game changer anything we tend to find anything around that um I think once we get above about 200,000 scurvy units, that's when it tends to, that's a tipping point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's almost a shame that people go out in Fatale because it's such a beautiful flavour. It's uh, heat is quick, but it's it over is. quickly. And this is yeah. fascinating about chilies, is the different ratios of capsinoids yes. in the yeah. heat. Yeah. Consequently, you get different, I call it heat signature. Yeah, no, I totally agree with Some you. Some bang is straight in there and they're getting the lips and then it's over quickly. And others build slowly at the mm -hmm. back yeah. of the throat. And... Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we? Because like, I always find like bird's eye, a very sharp attacking heat. Mm. front of the tongue is like somebody sliced the front of your tongue and your lips. But then if you take something like a, a Nagajalakia, it's quite engulfing. And, and yeah, it, it My just experience varies. of bird's eye was in a Mexican place, especially inside in Texas. Okay, yeah. And they just thought, oh, I was just another white American <laughs> but when they discovered I was English yeah then the whole nature changed but I'd had this sort of fussy dish and they all thought oh it's funny and get the American <laughs> yeah and then discovering I was English then oh no you should try try this try this and it, that's when the, the warmth of true Mexican cooking came yeah through. it's it's fascinating is it I mean I've, I've had the privilege of being in Mexico and trying some of their their salsas not the stuff that we you know we get in jars here and always remember one and then saying this is gonna be hot your your english this isn't for you <laughs> and in all fact it was blindingly hot but it was lots of fresh habanero yeah oh, beautiful absolutely beautiful thing to and but the, the liveliness with it with the lime and oh it's just yeah. superb but... a, a green habanero mm. i think which was a really unusual sort of kick to it lots of lime in there and yeah. i think mashed and avocado as well Yes, yeah, I've had it with um, a little bit of prickly pear in it as well. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, again, green habanero and a little bit, and, then, and also it's been made into a sauce by somebody as well. Who makes it with the prickly pear? Oh, um, Marie Sharp, so okay. Belizean, Belizean yeah. style. So, um, which is kind of a take on something that I've had, but in a pot with literally tortilla chips. But, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, yeah, it's one of those green. Green loves green, doesn't it? I think in a sort of at least we yeah. we're becoming like very. I tried to copy greens. that with a green ricotto. And lime oh, right, sauce. Okay. It was awful. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> what was it? Bitterness or? It just didn't work. Okay. I think they contradict the flavours. Green ricotto wasn't very good. Okay. Green pepper didn't work. It was white wine vinegar because I wanted to keep the green colour. Yeah. And it just didn't work. No. 
Uh, but then again, that's half the fun of playing, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. you've got to. It's like Edison invent the light yeah. bulb, isn't it? So <laughs> you find a hundred ways that don't work until you find the one that does. But that's that's a half the joy, you know. I mean, and I think that's a difference when you know. I know you sell sources, and I don't know what you think, but we've always found that you can tell the difference between somebody that's made a source where they've almost thrown things together in a pan and added a chili in for heat, and that's it. And that's what we would call call a hot sauce. Yeah. And I think, and there are those that are more accomplished. And you can tell there's been some consideration and some time onto the balance and the flavors and the the chili that's used within. And to us, that then is a chili sauce. And we've always, I know there's no book on or, or ruling as no, to what's yeah. what, but for us, that's the difference. A hot sauce is kind of, you know, oh, I've got a bit of mango and vinegar and some onion and garlic, and I throw it in and I drop drop a chili in because I want it to be hot. Whereas a chili sauce is where somebody's come along and said, actually, I want to use fatali because I love that kind of like lemony tropical sort of pineapple-y notes and I want to emphasize that with the following ingredients and I've cooked it down and yeah um do you agree do you disagree yes. do you think well, um <laughs> okay I do make sauces but I'm not a chili sauce maker the way that a lot of the people in the UK are like Upton Cheney or Wiltshire when I'm seed saving I think, you know, we taste with our eyes and our nose mm. for. So I'm a seed saver, that's my main thing. And yep. so I'm cutting the chilies open, I'm taking the seeds out, and I'm getting all the aromas coming up. And it might be half an hour of the same chilli hitting me, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, if it's a really hot one, like a seven-pot habanero, I'm doing that outside. <laughs> but if it's a, you know, a cayenne or something like that, then I'm sort of inside, yeah. still wearing gloves. Mm. Um, and then you start thinking, well, what is going to complement? What's this going to work with? And I do have favourites. I mean, we are also, in fact, we started with growing tomatoes before the chilies. So we do have an awful lot of tomatoes on site. Mm. And even different tomatoes, even when cooked, mm. for example, the black tomatoes. Yeah. They, when cooked down, some of them have the most amazing. Think of the Bisto Kids commercial. <laughs> that aroma. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have a fantastic flavour. So you start trying to pair up flavours. And then, I mean, lime is a fantastic because of the way it interacts with capsaicin. And then I think of what fruits, and sometimes I do a tomato and fruit or purely fruit-based sauce. But I try and match things up. I've got another two words for you. Uh, murder one. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Tell us about murder one, uh, as in not the crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not guilty, Your Honour. <laughs> yeah. We were growing out the um, Carolina Reaper. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's very expensive to get seeds. Mm -hmm. And there were various sources for it. And I picked up seeds here and there. I'd go to a show and I thought, right, they're very expensive. We'll try growing them out. And I isolated one large section of the other greenhouse, which we use for seed production. And it became obvious we had three different phenotypes. Mm -hmm. So somewhere... Can you explain what a phenotype is, by the way? I know, Nick, yeah. you know, but yeah. I think of say. it as um, plant distinctive. Yes. Yeah. So uh, one of them was very low growing and open habitat. And that one was just over half a million Scovilles. Murder One was more upright, fruit, rather scary looking. Uh -huh. And that came in the first time we had them tested about 1.1 million. Uh -huh. And there's another one which came in at 1.51 million. Gosh. Yeah. So number two and number three were seed saved and been grown on further. See how hot we could get them. Uh, Murder One of the pods which I let you have. We've got, basically, the other one I'm keeping fairly quiet about, the average, 10-pod average, was 1.65 million. 
which is enough to make anybody sweat yeah. <laughs> and swear and scream and curse. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Irony is that's not that high as you break it open in flavour, it's not in that flavour, um, in pungency. Mm -hmm. But when you cook with it, then everything sort of seems to liberate. Okay. But Murder One, um, we have got a significant seed harvest. It's in germination test at the moment. I want to play with it for a bit longer uh, to ensure it's fully stable, another year or so. But we think it is, so certainly there's enough there to keep working with. We've made a sauce of the same name, oh, uh, Tomato One. Um, again, we're not mass producers of sauces, we, unlike say Upton or Wiltshire who produce thousand bottle runs, I do 30 odd bottles yeah. at a time. So. Mm -hmm. so Murder One is one of these new super hots we're going to be launching. Yeah. Um, we have some plants of that at a few shows next season for enthusiasts, the brave, those that want to take their <laughs> life in their hands if you will. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. again, we were talking about growing situations. They are chilies that need to be grown in a greenhouse. But yeah, Murder One is technically, it's not going to be a record breaker I don't think. We've had a good hot summer this year so I think the heat results from this year are going to be quite high compared to last year which was a much duller wetter summer. Yeah. What about maybe it becoming the hottest British chilli? Well, Is it, that an option? I don't think it'll be Katie. Okay. 1.59. However yeah, yeah. that was an individual pod. Now there's nothing, no guide, no body to regulate these things. I like to do a 10 pod average when I send pots off for heat testing. Mm -hmm. um, um, but what generation is a plant at that point, by the way? Or do you, do you not worry about it's that? It's not so much that, it's the okay. average of it, what it's producing, because they can vary so much even on the same plant. Okay, so you can do that with an F2 or F3? Yeah, yeah. Okay. and you just get an idea of what it's producing. But there is no body to have, like, obviously you've got athletics federations and mm -hmm. things like that, which, you know, there might be a... I use the 100 metres race. Now, the guy that normally comes fourth or fifth in the Olympics final or the World Championship final, no one really knows his name except for the real enthusiasts, but everyone knows the guy who wins the World mm -hmm. Championship. But mm -hmm. let's say the guy that's normally fourth or fifth, one day he's on fire. Mm -hmm. He's had a hot chilli and there's some ice cream at the end. He wins the title, mm -hmm. so everyone knows his name. But next race meeting, he's back to coming fourth or fifth, mm -hmm. but he's still the world champion. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I see it. Now, there's no body to say it should be an individual heat test. It should be an average yeah, I hope this makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. Well, I believe that's how Guinness do it. Is that correct? I'm not sure what. Well, Guinness, I don't know because there've been various chilies that were the hottest and got a certificate now. And there was a bit of a brouhaha about some of them being renamed varieties. Mm -hmm. People getting in a spot of bother. At the end of the day, I think there's a lot of money to be had in that industry by Guinness. <laughs> yes, uh, I think Guinness um, charge you quite a lot yeah, for these things. Yeah, with a, I know it's a five-figure amount from one of the attempts that one company put in, so yeah. My philosophy is to put the data. Um, actually, this is a point I'd like to make. When we had some media attention with the KT, I wound up doing lots of interviews on the radio and um, bits and pieces for BBC Breakfast and ITN. Not one journalist asked for the evidence. See, that's what I'd want to see. Yeah. For, you know, I'm not a journalist, obviously, yeah, but... so that's the first thing I'd want to know. Is, when is, I, is you're going to make that claim. If you come and see me at a show, I'll mm. have the laboratory reports yeah. for you to have a look at. Yeah, well, it's like the whole dragon's breath thing that went down, and, you know, I, the evidence was lacking, in my opinion. <laughs> I've got a whole folder on the computer of this, and I thought it's not worth opening this can of work. <laughs> yeah. um, stayed away from publishing anything on it. I did do, uh, or asked for an NMR test. Okay on 
because I spent, I think it was £7.50 a plant for a seedling. Okay, do you want to explain what an NMR test is? NMR, nuclear Magnetic Resonance Imaging. Mm -hmm. The same as an MRI in a hospital. Mm -hmm. In hospitals they take off the word nuclear because it scares people. <laughs> um, but basically it's the same technology. Um, the sample is bombarded with radio waves and the frequency of hydrogen. Getting a bit nerdy here. <laughs> and it's basically, think of them as secret agents as spies going in and then they come back with information that they've gathered. Mm, um, with the standard means of saying chilies, the HPLC method, high performance liquid chromatography, mm -hmm. the test only picks up a couple of the capsinoids. With the NMR method, it picks up all of the capsinoids and also it will assess, if you wish, you can get all the uh, flavoring compounds and the coloring compounds. So you get what I call you know, a signature. Something I would like to be done, but it's going to be virtually impossible to regulate and get it for an industry, would be to have it so with software that you could overlap different chili. So you could overlay a Fatale with an orange habanero, with the Burmese naga or a fruit bus, and you could do it as a comparison. Mm -hmm. Because it, it, it's getting quite technical, but it would be great if you could. Yeah. But the reality Absolutely. of producing it, because even when you, with this equipment, when you scroll your wheel on the mouse, it alters what they call the gain. Yeah. yeah. So it enlarges things. Or it, so you yeah. have to have so many agreed uniform settings. Yes. And then getting this to be accepted by all the academic universities that are doing this, plus the commercial laboratories. Yeah. To, so getting it to, and then lots of people say, I think it should be done this way. Like, <laughs> it would be impossible to do, but it's a nice concept. Yeah. Absolutely. So you could, even in a book, you just have them published to the same scale and you can sort of visually compare yeah. the two. I think it's fair to say we could sit here all day and talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think to the point where I think what we might even do is, is come back and revisit you on another another podcast because there's so much we can ask about. But um, we're also aware that podcasts need to be within a certain time yeah. frame, which we have pretty much reached, I think yeah, it's fair to say. Um, all we can do right now, Matt, is just say thank you, thank you, thank you, because Happy it's just help. been so incredibly fascinating. <laughs> and I think we will be back. Um, in the meantime, thank you for listening to That's Not a Chili. This is a chilli. <laughs> we'll see you on another episode real soon. Take care. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about the wonderful world of chilies, then don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Find us on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube under Clifton Chili Club.